Welcome to episode 123 of the Fertility Podcast. I'm Natalie, your host, and if this is your first listen, I hope that you will take some time to have a listen to some other episodes because there's now over 100 and I talk about all different areas on your journey to becoming a parent from fertility treatment to natural fertility advice for men and for women, whether you've decided to stop, whether you're looking at a surrogate and I'm looking to be speaking about adoption and fostering if that's something that you're considering so don't worry if you haven't found that yet, it is coming. Now before I share some exciting news that uh, I shared already this week on Instagram, if you are listening to this podcast and like what you hear, please do go to Apple Podcasts, to iTunes and subscribe, rate and review it because it just makes such a massive difference and helps other people finding it. And it means this podcast can continue, especially as I've got a very exciting new collaboration, which, like I said, I mentioned on Instagram this week. You may already know about IVF Babbel. I've spoken to them on this podcast. If you don't, they are a brilliant online magazine bringing us all together. They're sharing information as I do and they're sharing your stories. So we have decided to get together. Have a listen. Hello, it's Natalie from the Fertility Podcast. I'm now going to introduce Sarah from IVF Babbel because we've got some exciting news to share. Sarah, how are you? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Yes, I'm excited about this. This is, this is taking the campaign one step further. Well, IVF Babbel has been doing amazing, amazing awareness raising with the pineapple pins and your hashtag IVF Stronger Together. And the whole essence of what you're trying to do and what I'm trying to do is to make noise about the issues we all have to deal with, isn't it? Yes, absolutely, yes. So we've been encouraging people to come together by sharing their stories in, in a way to sort of make people feel comforted, make them realise that they aren't alone in this horrible struggle against infertility, basically. So loads of people have been sending their stories in and not only has it been offering them huge comfort in a very sort of cathartic way, but it's been offering immense comfort to so many others. And we thought we'd take it one step further by working with you. And what we're literally asking you to do is to break the silence. So you are invited to share your story with IVF Babble and the Fertility Podcast. If you prefer it to be written, then you can do that. You can write your story, as Sarah said. But if you'd like to talk, which is something that's already happening on the Fertility Podcast, we're going to be working together to just gather because there's so many stories we want to share, aren't there? So we want to just kind of encourage you to just yes. to share even more. Yes, absolutely. Any topic concerning fertility as well. So whatever your story is, just give us give us a shout and, and tell us. Now the email is mystory at ivfbabble.com. Yes, absolutely. So whether whether you want to just, if you prefer just a written story, then that's totally fine. If you want to be anonymous, that's totally fine. But if you actually want to speak out and, and let us hear your voice, then that's that's amazing. Too. And whether you're in a relationship, whether you're doing this on your own, whatever stage you're at, male or female, we really want to encourage you to get in touch. So we'll be we'll be chatting about this more on Instagram, but we just wanted to kind of put it out there that we're now working together, IVF Babylon the Fertility Podcast, breaking the silence, as the hashtag says, we're IVF stronger together, and it's very exciting. This really is exciting. <laughs> and to just remind you of the email, it's my story at ivfbabble.com. We're really looking forward to hearing from you. How cool is that? So do share your stories. That email address will be in the show notes for this episode as well. Now, as we're speeding out of February and into March, what? How did that happen? 
I am going to be sharing some other exciting news with you. I'll wait a week though. I don't want to bombard you. Instead, we're going to go back to Instagram and catch up with my latest guest. So I'm now going to welcome Kate to the podcast. Kate and I have met on Instagram, my new favourite place to make uh, friends and to invite guests onto the podcast. And Kate wrote a blog recently about her feelings about where she was on her journey. And I wanted to chat with her about it because it struck a chord with me. So I'm going to let her explain more. Kate, welcome to the podcast. Hi, lovely to speak to you. Well, we had a few little technical hiccups and <laughs> we a few did. little uh, internet connection missions, so we had to reschedule, but we're here, which is we good. Are. So let's just start with your story about your journey, because you've got a little boy called Austin, who is... I have. Is he two? He'll be two next month. Two next month. So mine is three next month. So they're a year apart. Tell me about the journey to, to have Austin. We started trying to have a baby as soon as we got married. I didn't think we'd necessarily have any difficulties. Nothing was highlighted in my previous cycles or anything to make me think so. But after a year of trying, nothing had happened. So... I went to the doctors who kind of run a load of blood tests, told me everything was okay. And I just had this kind of niggling thought that something wasn't right. And I had private health care with my work. So I went and saw a um, gynecologist and had a load of fertility testing. And they diagnosed me with polycystic ovary syndrome. Nice. And they weren't too worried. They kind of said, you know, everything else looks okay. We're going to put you on some tablets. And that kind of then embarked us on the journey to to have Austin, really. We had um, three rounds on a drug called Letrozole, one on Clomid that didn't work. I did three or four AUIs, and they were just all unsuccessful. Um, No reason why. I ovulated perfectly each time. Um, And I think it got to a point where I was eight or nine cycles in failed treatment, and I just kind of said, I'm done. Like, I can't keep doing this. We need to do something that increases our chances of having a baby. Mm. Um, So we moved on to IVF. And in hindsight, I think maybe I probably could have left it a little bit longer. Um, I just think mentally that is so important when you're trying to have a baby. And I think when you get yourself into quite a dark place with it, there's kind of no going back from it. And I think you either have to do something positive or kind of walk away from it for a little bit. So we decided to move on to IVF and we were successful first time, which was absolutely amazing. And at that point, was it all still self-funded, all the treatment that you'd been through? Yeah, all self-funded. We did have a little bit of help initially. I think the investigations were all covered with my work. But as soon as we started any form of treatment, we paid for it. And I know from what you've written about, though, there was some experience of miscarriage along the way. Was that before? That was before Austin? No, that was... No, it was after. So when Austin was 11 months old, I fell pregnant naturally which was it was a complete shock um and an early scan unfortunately showed that I had miscarried um and then we kind of jumped straight into an embryo transfer because we had some frozen embryos from our fresh IVF cycle um and we did that a few months later um which was successful and then I miscarried again the decision to like you say jump into the embryo transfer when you'd just gone through what you'd gone through was it just Mm. because you just thought "I, I kind of what I want this to work now yeah, I think I think it's quite common feeling for most women when you have a miscarriage, the urge to replace, right. you know, to fix. And, you know, again, in hindsight, was it the right thing to do? Probably not. I, I think my body wasn't ready and I don't think I was mentally, but 
I think the urge was there to, to just try and have another baby. And yeah, so we jumped straight into an embryo transfer. So then I ended up having two consecutive miscarriages within five months. Wow. Okay. And the reason that I kind of reached out to you was the blog post that you'd written where you were talking about trying to belong. And I thought it was just mm. a really interesting take on it because you'd explained that you'd started blogging and had kind of started airing towards the mummy blogger side. Mm. And then... Obviously, you went through the treatment and you've got this Instagram profile and you're aware of this community and then you experience the miscarriage. And so there's that realm of people that you can empathize with. And and then it led you to start talking about the secondary infertility feeling, which is what Mm. I've written about. And I think it's a really poignant thing talking about trying to belong with how mentally you are just processing Mm. all of what's going on right now yeah it's a it's a really difficult situation to be in because I love the 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 TTC community on Instagram I think it's amazing I wish it was around five years ago when I first started my journey Mm. and you know some women are so brave I mean I personally don't talk about my treatment when I'm going through it I'm more than happy to talk about it after my miscarriages my journey but these women that talk about it and go through the two-week wait with everybody on it I mean I just I couldn't personally do that it is amazing but I find it very difficult now because I've been through IVF I have a son I've also had two miscarriages I'm trying to have another baby and I and I don't quite know which community I belong to in theory I belong to all of those communities but it's very difficult to not not you feel almost like it when I post loads of pictures of my son or I talk about my son am I kind of betraying the women that are trying to have a baby is that a bit of a kick in the face for women but then also I'm I talk about my miscarriages and then I feel like because I already have a son is that not worthy of of my feelings as well it's a really difficult place to be in I think it's all like you say difficult but I think what you're feeling is is completely valid and and sadly the guilt associated with having a child and wanting a second child and trying to voice that is all across um all of us the tribe of secondary infertility women and men who have to manage it all feel this guilt and I think it's really important to talk about it because I think one of the things that I loved about your blog and some of the feedback I've had about my blog is that it's actually making other people realize that they do have a place to talk about it and if that's the only thing that's Definitely. achieved in all of this completely then, you know that that is good which is why I wanted to talk to you as far as support along the way have you spoken to anybody about anything and would you I mean I would I, I'd, I'd say what's and I don't know if this is just the case of maybe me not looking into it further but you know I follow probably over a thousand people on Instagram you know majority of them are from the TTC community and I would say only four or five of them are mums suffering from secondary infertility mm. now I don't know if that's because I haven't actively seeked anybody out or whether that's just, like you say, women just aren't talking about it, Mm. whether it's through guilt or not realising that that's an actual issue. Some people don't even know such thing as secondary infertility. Mm -hmm. Some women don't even understand that can be a thing. So, you know, I would happily talk to somebody and, and maybe I haven't probably looked enough into groups and 
to see what's out there. But I just know from the people that I follow, there is such a small percentage of women that are trying to have another baby that already had a baby. Yeah, completely agree. And I haven't actually actively sought it out either. So what we're going to do with this podcast is we're going to do a little bit of investigation and we're going to see once it goes out whether there are more of us who would like to have a bit more of a chat about it and if that is the case then we'll make it happen because already I've got my closed Facebook group which is called Talk Fertility which is a place where I've got some experts who are available to answer questions and talk things through and so what I'd say to you that's a place that we can talk about it more and we can take it onto Instagram we can see what there is because I think awareness first and foremost, is really important because if you're listening to this and you have had a child through fertility treatment or not, but second time round, you're Mm. faced with a battle that's not happened so easily, then I think you should know that you are perfectly entitled to talk about how it makes you feel. Yeah, definitely. I'm surrounded, as I'm sure you are, by friends that have more than one child and whether or not they know that you've been through treatment and even family nobody really seems in my world to ask about number two and I'm I think no. that's because of what we went through and there's a part of me that wants them to I want them to be interested in it but then yeah. there's a part of me that doesn't because I don't really know the answer or the out yeah definitely and I think as well I'm not I don't know about you but I'm not immune to feeling jealous or envious when someone announces another pregnancy and just even though because I've got my son that you know and actually I think people think having a child is the magic wand that takes a Away the pain of everything and it doesn't yeah. whether it's baby loss or trying for another baby that's it, it you still feel it you still go through it and and yeah for me personally I probably don't talk enough about it but mm. like you say I wonder if people are you know especially because we've had two miscarriages people don't want to ask people are a bit worried you know what to you know what we might possibly say so it's definitely something that I feel so passionate about women talking about well, I think we can only only try. And I mean, have you had your other half talk about how he feels? Does he talk about how he feels? I think with my husband, who's always been wonderfully supportive, he's actually written two blog posts on my blog regarding our struggles with IVF and okay. our miscarriages and how baby loss. I, think I saw one actually. You know, from his perspective, and I think from my husband's point of view, he he just feels like whatever I want to do is just very protective over me and. I think, again, it would be lovely if, you know, he had a bit of a platform to talk about it as well. Mm. Because I don't know whether guys get any chance at all. It's enough, you know, I find with this podcast, having guys talk about infertility anyway, to talk about mm. it a second time round. So, again, I'm putting it out there. If there are any guys that would like to talk about yeah, it second time round. Because I know where we're at. I mean, we have, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, we have three frozen embryos and are planning to go ahead with treatment this year and at the same time hope it might just happen. And so far that hasn't been the case. And I'm nervous about what happens after that if that doesn't work because I don't think we're in a place to go through a whole load of treatment again. Have you thought about what next yeah I mean we're completely the same boat we we had three frozen embryos we transferred one last September which was successful but then I miscarried and we're in exactly the same situation now we've got two left part of me doesn't want to use them yet 
because they were always our backup plan. Part of me wants to see if my body can do it naturally, but the desire to have another baby now is, is getting more and more as the days and the months go on. So I think for us, it's probably a decision as to when we do another embryo transfer. And we also have the question of my consultant asked us if we would put both back in. Mm. And that's a completely, you know, separate thing to worry about. But for us, I feel like these last two embryos are our last two chances because if they don't work it would be doing another fresh IVF cycle which I don't know if I want to go through again exactly but that question of the two I mean how old are you if you don't mind me asking I'm 36 I'll be 37 in April right so So I just qualify to have two put back in it's such a tricky one. It's such a life-changing thing. And the, the, the friends that I've had go through treatments and have had the two put back, obviously it's a huge commitment and they've done it as their first venture into parenthood. And I think when you're hit with twins and that's your first experience, you just deal with yep. it. <laughs> However, yep, when you've had one and then you have two, you know how easier it was with one. Completely. So. And that's another thing as well that you almost feel bad about talking about, you know, uh, exactly that. You know, we've talked about it. Do we actually want twins? is that what we want and then you got the guilt that comes with that as well should we just be grateful for for if we do get twins but like you say when you have one child already and you understand that process and how it is with one yeah you do mentally kind of think oh could we could we could we have twins would that be something that we would want it's a really really difficult one and there's no right answer we're just kind of chewing the fat here because in the same vein there's the argument that you could give your one child you know the world I I don't know if you're a sibling but I'm one of three and I'd always assumed that that would be my family picture that my 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 I would have children and that my child would have a sibling because of that bond you have with your um yeah definitely and there's that guilt associated to not having a sibling for my son and and then how you know you, you manage that growing up and the friends I have that have just got the one child have made you know really valid points that you ensure you have an open door and you have you know a, a happy friendly house that lots of friends come and I always yeah. hold that kind of quite close in when I'm yeah. working this out in my head as to the the yeah. alternative you know I think my husband he mentioned it in, in a post that he wrote for me that his sadness he would feel is is on Austin. I mean, Austin is the most sociable kid. He's so happy around other children. Um, you, you can see he almost needs it. Mm. And and I would be the same. I would have that open door policy, make sure he's always got friends over. But what makes me upset is my husband always says he feels sad for Austin. He feels that he would thrive having that sibling around. Yeah. And obviously you don't know the situation. And, and I kind of feel the same. I would deal with my sadness, I think, about not having another one. But I think I'd always feel a little bit sad for Austin, which is probably silly. And he will, he will be great in whatever environment he's in. But I just would always feel that. Yeah. I completely hear you. I completely hear you. Well, Kate, it's been lovely chatting and sharing. And I hope that if we've encouraged or inspired anybody feeling this to to know that they're not on their own and to talk a bit more about it, then we've done a good thing. And I'll share your blog post. Keep writing. It's lovely. It's lovely to well. chat. <laughs> On Instagram. And in fact, actually, I wanted, I did say I wanted to just ask you because we, we touched on Instagram as a, as a place of comfort and kind of amazement in, in how far people share. It's it, something that is constantly surprising me in my ventures into it, which is still relatively new. And I've been very nervous about it because the community, the TTC community is vast and and just mm. remarkable. And, and whilst mm. I, I talk to people on Twitter and I'd established that it, it's 
because you get to see that constant discussion on a post I think it's it's just fascinating to see how much effort and support and love people give how have you found your journey on it because you've got you know you've got a good following and I know that you you're on it pretty regularly yeah I mean I love it and I and I do genuinely get something out of it and I think when you've gone through IVF or a fertility journey or you've lost a baby you do feel very isolated and there's no denying that you feel it's so much easier to relate to people that have been through it Mm. so what more than this wonderful group of women that you can post a picture about how you're feeling or what's going on and then you get this automatic you know very quick support network straight on you sending you messages and I think it's wonderful I mean like I say I'm not I'm not brave enough to share my journeys as I'm going through them. I'm very happy to talk about them after the event. But I I do, I also do struggle with how I fit in there. And I do worry probably too much about fitting in in a certain community. Sometimes I think you just have to be authentic with your life and, and put it out there and then, you know, people will follow and not you can't take offence if they don't. Yeah. But I think that's something I'm still learning as well. I think with all the social platforms, you can't overthink it because it, it's it's reality to a point, but it's also filtered because somebody's chosen to put that post there. So don't worry. Don't worry. Just <laughs> just, just enjoy it, I think. And then when you stop enjoying it, step away, I think is the best. Yeah, definitely. No, to, I agree. Yeah, all I right, agree. my lovely. Well, we will stay in touch. And thanks again for your time. It's been really good chatting to no, you. Thank you. All yep, right. definitely. Take care. Thanks, Kate. Bye. Bye. The Fertility Podcast is supported by OvuSense. If you're trying to monitor your cycle and finding it overwhelming, OvuSense is the only ovulation monitor on the market that is a class two medical device. It has a vaginal sensor and app and fits like a tampon, so it's really easy to use and comfortable to wear. Now you use it at night while you sleep and then in the morning, you simply remove, wash it and download your data to see your cycle pattern. Now OvuSense has proven comfortable for women in over 10,000 cycles of use and can predict ovulation up to a day in advance and can confirm it with 99% accuracy. To find out more, visit ovisense.com. The Fertility Podcast is also supported by IVF Matters, the UK's first online fertility clinic where you can order tests delivered to your door, have scans at multiple locations and speak to consultants in the comfort of your own home. It's a truly unique way to experience your fertility journey and you can find out more at ivfmatters.co.uk or call 0333-939951. Okay, so the show notes for this episode are thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash secondary. All right, really straightforward. And I'm going to be putting all the ways that you can find out and I'll put the link to Kate's blog post as well as uh, her Instagram account and all the ways that you can follow me on social media. Do remember, as I said at the start, to nip over to iTunes and rate and review this podcast. Thank you in advance. And as you heard me say with IVF Babble, do share your story. You can email my story at ivfbabble.com for that. You can always email me, Natalie, at thefertilitypodcast.com. It's just if you'd prefer to write your story, these guys can help you publish it. If you want to tell it, then I'm your girl, all right? Together, we will all get our stories out there to help other people because that's ultimately what we're trying to do. So take care of yourself and until the next time, 